Thank you for joining us. In this podcast episode, we talk about the past year of our podcasting season three. We're at the finale and we reflect on where we were at the beginning of the season versus where we are now, how COVID has impacted us and our work and our own um, perspective on our work. And we've talked a little bit around what we'd like to take as we move out of this kind of dark night of COVID. Mm, nice. And we leave you with a question for the summer too, because that just feels mm. delicious. And then we'll be heading into season four, folks, and season four has some delicious elements to it. Of course, <laughs> Tim and Tuesday will continue in the conversations we have with each other. We'll also be inviting in uh, a whole series of interviews for people to come in. So they'll be like hosted and planned interviews with various speakers. So uh, many of them kind of leading lights in the field of systems change and leading lights in the field of equity. We're very excited excited to initiate that part of the pod um, and then we're also going to be bringing in the work very deliberately um, into, into the into podcast in the season four right and so I think imagine that season four um, so there'll be episodes where we focus on a particular element of the work or a particular project we're working on or a particular discovery you've made so you'll see three quite distinct types of episode next year you'll see Tim and Tuesday rambling <laughs> rambling having deep and delicious Absolutely. conversations meaningful powerful yeah you'll see kind of table talks where we're bringing in speakers and thought leaders um and then you will also see in a kind of like at work you know where we're bringing in some of the very concrete practical stuff we're either doing within the outside or we're doing in relationship to Pyatt in the world so i look forward to seeing you on season four friends here we are today it is our finale of season three we've done three seasons of this podcast now tim i know and we are just going to wrap up this particular year. And every year we've done a little reflecting back um, on the year of work and the year of podcasting and then kind of set a little bit of homework even for the listener over the summer. Do you remember that last year we said kind of stay woven was the idea of like oh, yeah. season one with a question to ponder mm. over the summer. And so mm. our the task ahead of us is to kind of wrap up this season and then give people a little something for over the summer until we begin recording again this fall. I love it. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing one last song and I'm looking forward to sharing one last poem. Mm. Um, and I'm looking forward to kind of reflecting back on, um, you know, a, a year that has, you know, simultaneously driven me and us and many people I know inside, you know, but also forced uh, uh, a removal of veils in terms of how I view the world outside, <laughs> you know. So I think, it, it, you know, we, we were just talking this morning and, and, you know, really thinking about how this year has been, you know, one of development for the outside. It's been one where we've done an enormous amount of internal growth, really like refitting ourselves to be fit for the kind of future um, that we want to create, but also the kind of future that's coming. And so that's, that's exciting to look back on. Yes. And I think, you know, we started this podcast season last fall saying we were going to kind of refresh, reflect and refresh. That was kind mm-hmm. of where we are. Mm-hmm. And I would say certainly um, 
business wise. And even I think on this podcast, we've done a lot of reflecting and oh uh, thinking about what the refreshing of our work will be. And so I'm, I'm kind of laughing. I'm like, oh, right. Last September, we were still finishing up with a very large client. The work was still very, very intense. Um, yeah. And we, but we could see, we could see that it was beginning to space out, that we were going to have some time coming up. The client work wasn't going to be all that heavy. But I would say I started this podcast season in a fairly close to burnout state of mind. Definitely. Truly. Just yeah. like. And I'd just, I'd step back from the brink. I'd just step back from the brink, but you were still really there, right? Yeah. Where are you at on the other end of the season, shoes? If like, if, if burnout was the word and close to burnout was the word at the beginning, where are you at, uh, you know, the end of season three? Yeah, that's great. I, and I love to kind of notice that movement because I'm not feeling there. It, I would say it took me several months hmm. to feel unclenched, right? Like I feel like I was just hmm. like clenching so hard to get everything done and like to really close well with a particular client and, and what had been our biggest work to date. And so I felt quite um, driven and I would say a little contracted and clenched. And so now I, you know, and it took several months. I remember saying, I still don't quite feel relaxed. I still don't feel quite relaxed. I haven't quite let it all go, but I think this spring I've been able to, uh, let go of some of that clenching to really Mm. just soften a little bit. And so now I would say in relation to the work, I do not feel burnt out. I do not feel overwhelmed. I feel like there's plenty to do. I feel excited about internal work in a way that I just didn't have the brain space for. And I wonder if that's what listeners have been hearing over the season with me, a little bit of kind of turning toward um, some of our internal TO work um, has been definitely reflected. I think, you know, I've always been a personally reflective person, but I feel like my own introspection introspection as I've just gotten more space has gotten deeper. And I think that's certainly been true on the podcast. We've been really introspective, both introspective personally, but I think introspective about the outside on the podcast. How about you? How, where, where, well, I, where you? I, I mean, I think I went from being on the brink that my, the arc of my journey was like, actually the beginning of this podcast, I was just stepping back from having been working a lot and, and then experienced some good spaciousness through the fall and then coming into the beginning of this year. But the, this, the last six months have been full on for me with the balance between, you know, family and work and then kids in school and kids out of school. It has been a, you know, it's been a demanding time. And then in the midst of all of that, the, the, you know, incredible evolution of the outside and what we're doing internally and the teams we have working on the kind of branding and the business model and our theory of change. And at the same time, I've had the absolutely delightful job of building kind of a visual language for the business and a set of, you know, an icon library and being able to turn those into visual roadmaps of two years of work, you know. Um, And so I've loved that. And it's all been a lot. It's been a lot, you know, it's been a lot to do with a lot of different fronts. And so I'm now at a point where I need a break, you know, I need to like, I need to stop. And, and, and it's hard not to feel guilty taking a break when actually I've worked less. So my life has been more Mm -hmm. full, Mm -hmm. you know, with just the amount of different fronts that we've had to be working on and, 
and so with kids and family and community and all of it as well as the business being so uh, up you know um in terms of need so i think i you know we were just saying i think i'm going to take a couple of days just on my own before even i might before we have any family holiday over the summer where i just get to have a bit of a breather you know so that's where i'm at and you said it publicly well you just said it publicly i just want to just name you just said you're gonna take a couple days off Yes, I just wanna I just wanna uh-huh. note what just I'm, happened before. I'm bound to it now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a couple of things. What that I just said that occurred to me as you were speaking. One is like we have, I think, of course, the whole world has been in COVID this year. We didn't even mention that. Just to, mm-hmm. but when you say family and things like that, and and um yeah, that's uh one of the things I think one of the reasons I've only been able that it took me several months, right, after the first of the year, several months to kind of like calm it down, Reinhardt, was because COVID was still happening. I had kids in my house schooling the entire school year through March. My goodness, right? right. Like the entire year. It, they did not go back to school until March. And that's really stressful. It's stressful for their little selves, right? Mm. Trying to figure out how to navigate all that. And stressful for me, trying to figure out how to work and be supportive of them. Stressful for all of us to be in the same house for months and months and months and months on end without them being able to see friends and being able to go out. And so like that was just kind of a background stress. Now we fortunately, um, even though we didn't have school until March, after March, like my kids were in school, which was just a huge relief for everyone. They got even just like seeing a different bit of scenery, getting to be with their friends, even if they were masked and that was all they were able to do. So I think that that certainly coincided with a little bit of ease for me. But you, just as that was happening for me, you went right back in, yeah. right? So your kids had been in school, but yeah. then things right, eased for again. me. And then you went back into lockdown. Yeah. Then Katie went away because her dad wasn't well. And so she was, you know, so then I was like alone with the kids for four weeks, two and a half of which were, they were home fully. I mean, it's just been full on, isn't it? I mean, and that's been the same for everybody. You know, it's funny even, it's funny even to talk about it, isn't it? Because you, I don't know how it is for others, but you you know, I run this risk of like, oh fuck, it's been worse for other people. And here I am harking on about like, you know, and, uh, but it's, I don't know, you know, I mean, I I think it's been, it has been hard for anybody and it's felt hard for me. That's true. You know, and and I'm at the point now, like I was talking, I was obviously, you know, sometimes at night, you know, Emma will be watching a show or she's, or she's waiting for her brother to get the laptop because for him to go to bed. And, and so I'm sitting there and we, we were chatting last night and I was like, and I said to Emma, oh, I just sent a really irritated email, you know, and I'm at a point where like, you know, I'm just, I'm just kind of irritated and tired now, you know, and, and, and more impatient than I normally am. And, uh, and she didn't like it that I'd sent an irritated email to this particular person because she's quite fond of them. And so she was like, she's like, I think you should put a PS at the end of all of your emails that I'm tired and irritated and need a break. <laughs> she's like, just so people know. That is <laughs> that's smart. so cute. That's so and do you think that's smart though? What a good yeah, idea. Just is. so people know yeah. who you are. Like I'm doing my best here. So many of us are so stressed and overwhelmed. I'm doing my best here. But uh, yeah. I'm tired and stressed, and I I could use a break. I think that's really really great. And I uh, I laughed because you know there were so <laughs> many memes during COVID that were like you got through the day, yay, right? Mm. And now it's like I guess we're all just expected to get through the day and do all sorts of amazing feats because <laughs> we're you know lockdowns over. I'm like I don't really I don't appreciate that pressure. No. Also, 
one of the things I want to say is I have to laugh and I, you know, like, uh, I love the idea of you taking time on your own. And then, you know, before you said a family vacation, one of my friends reminds me every year, she's like, when you have your children, it's not a vacation, it's a trip. So you also need a vacation. It's just something to keep in mind. Like you just need like either yourself or an adult. Like it's all like both things are true. Like family trips are great. I'm going to take one with Eileen next week that I'm super excited about. Yeah. I'm so excited about it. Um, I I just can't wait to be with her on our own. Um, on the on the beach and doing things in warm places but uh but also there is something about uh parenting also is its own kind of like stress and thing and it's wonderful and it's amazing and sometimes you just got to like get away from all of it right Mm. and certainly after this last run of time you've had where like you said you might have been working less but you weren't there was no downtime you probably had less downtime significantly i haven't i've had no doubt time yeah and um i find that um my relationships with my kids has gone through the roof though i met someone in the coffee shop this morning as i picked up a coffee because we started early went to the physio you know grabbed a coffee on the way back and uh and uh and she uh travels a lot for her used to travel a lot for her work but obviously hasn't been traveling um, and she was saying it's the first time she's had 12 months at home with her kids ever straight, no travel. And I said, Oh, it's the same thing. It's been about 18 months for me. And I just love it. Like the, the, the kind of depth and quality and, um, f- friendship actually start, you know, is the right mm. word for it. I think that's just kind of mm. grown out of just being together all the time without any of that kind of break. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. I love that, you know. And um, yeah, yeah. It's like you know, of course, coming from the coming from a background where, um, you know, I, I survived trauma as a child, you know, and then being forced into situations where there's no escape from intimacy, it can be very, very difficult. But mm-hmm. actually. I mean, it could be, it's stressful. It can feel stressful to me. Mm-hmm. And so to come out the other side and realize, well, and also there's great reward, you know, in yeah. terms of those, in terms of those relationships that um, I feel, I feel lucky for, you know, like my stairs, my 16 year old one actually talking to me, you know, <laughs> <laughs> which is, I just consider that a bonus, um, but to giving me good advice still. You know, yeah. and she's been she's been giving me good advice since she was four year old going on walks mm. with me in the woods when I lived down in Yarmouth County, you know. So mm. yeah, it's good. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. I think part of what's happened this year, um, and I can certainly find it in my parenting, but and I think we've talked about it early in the season, is like you just like there's no going away. Gotta face mm. the stuff. You mm. know, it's right there. And so mm. Um, whether it's through parenting or your own internal stuff, like it's been, and I think that's part of why this podcast season I suspect has been so introspective. I think, Mm. yes, yeah, I think, yes, both of us are at a time where that's happening in our life. But I could say that that was true the first two seasons too. I was doing just as much inner work. Oh my goodness, yeah. There's something about them slowing down and there is no escape. When you cannot leave your house, 
right? <laughs> you know what I mean? You can't run errands. You can't, in fact, because our, our lockdown was lifted, the mask mandates were lifted here on last Thursday. And I went to the grocery store for the first time in forever. And I just remembered, oh, right. Like I used to like run errands <laughs> in times, right? Like I used to do these things and I just have totally gotten out of that habit. And I really like to, to challenge myself not to get back into that habit, right? Mm. To keep like, of course, I want everybody to be able to go out and do what they want with their friends and have a life and like be social, but kind of the running or busyness for busyness sake when you can, we've all learned, and I know that it has a carbon impact, right? But we've all learned about having just things delivered. I don't need to run out to do errands. I can actually mm. be thoughtful and think it through and like, what do I need to have delivered? And I don't need to. So I'm just really curious how it might, sh how it might shift um, as the world kind of reopens up and what I want to really keep. Like I've decided I never want to go to the grocery store again. I just love that idea. So like this is exciting when you begin some of these outcomes of, mm -hmm. of this period are actually quite exciting, right? I mean, like, so I almost don't want to dwell too much on how much we've done in the, in, within, the, within the outside because we've talked about it a lot. Like, mm -hmm. you know, we're looking at equitable pay. We're, we're talking about a highly participatory hierarchy and how that's structured. We're looking at kind of like how you and I move into a coaching role and others are delivering the work and, you know, deciding upon a, you know, 30% minimum portion that's dedicated to learning and evaluation in any of our budgets. I mean, I think we've talked quite extensively on the podcast about the kind of changes within the outside that we've been making, mm -hmm. but like, let's think about some of the changes um, that have been happening in the world. So like, have you mm. seen those pictures of before and after in terms of air quality that it's visible? Like yeah, early. They are, I saw them early, but I haven't seen any. They're amazing. There was just an article on um, the on the BBC where you could drag a line across the picture, mm. and you could see Ooh. the change in air quality, and it is Whoa. unbelievable. Like the, the send that to me, the, or maybe we could link it in the show the, notes. Right, or the drop in recorded deaths as a result of pollution. Right, in some of the world's largest and most populated cities. Whoa. I mean, just like really like amazing outcomes like that, you know. Um, uh, the number of births of animals on beaches, like you've seen a massive increase in turtle births, for example. Oh, you've seen whoa. you've seen an increase in dolphin and whale births because the shipping lanes haven't been as busy. Oh. You see, so there's like there's been this kind of like uh, just, just I just watched one of David Attenborough's shows talking about that. And, you and did. so those things are amazing. And then there's and then there's amazing things like. Um, for the first time ever, we're going to, we're most likely going to see a global fifteen percent corporation tax. So, really, for the first time ever, the likes of Amazon and Google and Microsoft are going to be subject to a tax that is held through global agreement. And we've never that's never been able to, and the U.S. has signed onto it, right? And you know, obviously, fifteen percent is too low. But we've right. never even landed on that, you know, exactly. and 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 it actually says the agreement says something like 15 percent or more is what you sign on to mm -hmm. as an agreement. So mm -hmm. it does have a mm -hmm. it has a look up rather than That's a look great. at this as a fixed point. That's but great. still, if 50, you know, many of the many kind of commentators are saying the 15 percent is too low. But the simple fact is governments need wealth right now. Right. You know, and they've all got empty buckets from what they've spent. So the willingness to engage in a global corporation tax just agreed by the G7, oh, so that's great. incredible. And like way overdue. You talk about Volkswagen. Volkswagen is saying they're only producing uh, electric cars as of 2030, their entire production. Mm. Right. GM. 
GM, uh, 70% of their production is going to be only electric vehicles by 2030. I might, these are seismic shifts. These are yeah. seismic shifts in massive sectors that I think are quite, quite remarkable. Quite, you know, that there is some sense of accelerated um, progress towards the kind of society I would hope we're going to live in. And of course, the increased production of electric vehicles means they become more and more affordable means mm-hmm. that it pushes, it pushes the production of an infrastructure, right? All of that. So I just think, um, I mean, you, you know, and of I, course, there's the other side of this, which is businesses shutting down in my local community or not opening up or people, I mean, there's lots of that. I mean, there's obviously not trying to paint some rosy picture of the other side of it, but it's just, I don't know, it's just well, all worth considering. It's worth, it's worth noticing and it's worth noticing and giving our attention to, and I have a cure. I have a curiosity. I mean, obviously, these things are complex, right? So there's not one cause, but I'm interested in how much of some of these changes was caused by the crisis aspect of COVID, and how much was caused by our ability to pause for a second and just look at what do we want to do, folks. I mean, I know you in Nova Scotia did some real work around universal basic income that was yeah. absolutely give like started because of the COVID crisis. And, and yeah. like now we have some chance to pause and reflect, what is it that we want? How is yeah. it that we want to be? What, what are these empty coffers forcing us to do? So it also feels like there's some quality of attention. I mean, I feel like that in my own personal during last year, some quality of attention I was just able to give because there was a little more time. It's a little more time, a little more time to think, a little more time to consider, a little more time to imagine, okay, we've got a pandemic. This isn't what we want. Well, what is it that we do want, right? Not just like to respond and react to this particular crisis, but what is it that we want? And so I'm really curious what we might see as ripples out from here. And I was also thinking about, and I've been on a social media fast for the past six weeks. I'm not like I'm not very well informed at this moment. Congratulations. <laughs> so good. It feels so great. I don't know. I mean, that might be, again, this is something else that I think, you know, we talked about traveling. I don't think I'm ever really, really going to go back. I'm happy to look at Instagram once or twice a week, hmm. you know, Facebook nice. once a week maybe, but like, I don't think I'm ever going to go back, go back. But there's also, I'm just wondering about this slowing down and so again, so I'm just saying I'm not all that informed. So I really appreciate you bringing this to us. But you know, I, I I have heard it's interesting the news you can get even being off social media. I mm-hmm. have heard about um, the mass graves found or the mass grave found in Canada, yeah, right? That's right. And um, and I I mean maybe that all would have happened. Maybe that all would have happened and we would have found out about it. But there's something I have a question about, like that, like are we able? It feels to me like people are more grieving it now than we would have. It's almost like. I just feel like there's some our our in our attention is going to some things that it's actually really needed to go to. That it's really like that deserves our grief and our attention and our focus yeah. for more than a 10 second yeah. media cycle. Right. Um I also wanted to share with you because I thought it was really interesting. I well, heard just it. just to pause there, truth like choose it. Like it really underline like it's called truth and reconciliation in Canada. You know, and it just underlines the need for truth. That is exactly where I was right? going. It really underlines the need for truth. Like it just exactly. says, hey, we have to see and absorb and accept this truth, this genocidal period yeah. in Canadian history. 
who right. pitches itself to the world as the peacekeeper. You know, and of course, and I often think we rush to reconciliation, you know, and, and, and and it's just like both, you know, and it's not sequential. I understand that you don't do truth and then reconciliation, like, but it's truth and reconciliation. And so I just think the discovery of those, of those children's graves, and then now that is then provoking a really thorough search on other residential school sites across Canada, you know, um, as yet the Catholic church has refused to release records Uh, but the prime minister of the country who is a catholic uh has made a public demand for those records to be released right and so yeah i hear you that's thank you for thank you for saying i'm glad to hear that i don't i don't know those particular details um but i was listening to an elder talk yesterday and so I was really glad you went to Truth and Reconciliation because that was actually her point. She's like, we've done, we, we've done, we think we're doing all this work on reconciliation. She said, but when you increase the reconciliation, you actually increase the possibility of truth. And so mm. she saw this as very, wow. very, Lovely. very aligned, right? Like you make wow. more room for the truth to come when you are in mm. reconciliation. And so, you know, she, her thing was like, we're going to find more truth, right? Like as we, mm. as we commit more and more to reconciliation, we'll find more truth. And so I just, maybe I'm wrong, Tim, but I just, I do have a sense that there's something that has been precious during this time that we could choose to just go right back to mm. normal pre-COVID, or we could choose to kind of stay. And I'm, I'm, I've shared with you, I'm like actively working to try to stay slow so that some of these things you know, even though COVID in some ways it didn't make life slower, <laughs> in some ways it made it a lot more stressful, but I didn't travel as much. I can mm. go as many places. And so mm. I'm just curious if we can, I've heard it called the great pause. That might be, mm. I'm curious if we'll be able to stay with that pause, like stay with like this, this particular, I'm just picking, I'm just choosing this particular genocidal history that deserves the world's care and attention and acknowledgement like, can we stay with it a little bit? Can we just stay with it? There are. I just love it that I just love what you said there as well. That the that maybe the work around reconciliation has built relationships that are just strong enough now to bear some of the truth together. Right. You know, there's some because right. there is. I mean, we experience that in our work all the time, don't we? That like, mm-hmm. you know, you build this fabric of relationships that then allows a piece of truth to be held together. You know, and then and then actually it is the experience of holding that and seeing that together that then builds the next layer of depth and trust of relationships for another layer of truth to be taken in and actions to then be built from that. You know, so I just love how you kind of painted that there is something in that, you know, there's something there's something iterative in that. There's something expanding in that. There's something like the shape of the rings of trees in that, isn't there? Like there's something very natural well, about the way you talked about that. There is, and it makes me feel quite, uh, it, re, it re, re kind of like, it underscores my commitment to equity work being relational as well as structural, because mm-hmm. often in equity work, right, there's the right people and the wrong people. And like mm. the wrong people need to see what's happening and acknowledge it and then like atone. Um, and some of that is 
probably good, but um, we actually stop the capacity for that if we don't move into relationship, right? This kind mm -hmm. of like individualistic, it, it's almost like, it's almost like individualism within the collective, right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, like this, this collective is right. And this collective is wrong, which is a very individualistic, but unless we move into relationship, we actually can't, we can't bear what needs to happen to be able to take the next step. Right. right? We just can't. And so that's, that's quite interesting to me is another kind of something I think I feel like we've both kind of sensed in kind of more mainstream equity work, which I think tends to try to pull us apart. Yeah. Right. In the, yeah. in the, in the, in name of clear seeing, we are yeah. being asked to be pulled apart, Yeah, right? When instead, it's actually the knitting together that will let us, when we see clearly, be able to bear it. Right. Yeah, but not pulling us all together into one great big mush, which is like, right. it's right. like there's actually, like you always say this, both are true, the truth of yeah. difference and the truth of commonality, like they're both true. You know, and I think about, if I just think about this exit, exiting, coming out of COVID, the journey out, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, mm. and uh, the kind of relationships that we need as we journey out mm -hmm. to be able to not just go back to the way things were, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and like what strength that can, that is going to take. Because there is no doubt that the way things were um, uh, definitely favored certain people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know and like the dominant way of doing things we you know not to quote us but the dominant way of doing things is built for self-preservation right. it isn't built for reinvention you know? right there's a lot of invested power and prestige and wealth in the way things have been done for a long time and that's a, and so i think a lot of that has been shaken up and there's a significant amount of chaos right now you know my buddy john talking to my buddy john over the weekend who's a welder you know in the uk and they they just can't get the materials to do the jobs well can't get the materials you know talking to another mate of mine wanting to build a house and uh, has bought the land but can't build the house because the cost of building has gone up 40 percent <gasps> whoa whoa right and um you know, so it's like, like a lot's changed. Mm -hmm. And, but there's going to be, I think there's going to be a huge kind of like force, you know, trying to pull us back to the way things are. And, and so I think it is, I think we're going to, you know, we're not going to be able to resist that on our own. So I think there is going to be something about turning to those who are around us and saying, well, we, maybe we do want something different. You know, I'm hearing stories of people refusing to go back to work mm. in the office because they've now built their lives around remote working mm -hmm. and being like, okay, well, you know, if what you're saying is I have to go back to work or I'm going to lose my job, I'll lose my job and I'll work for somebody else who accepts remote working. Mm -hmm. I just heard a story of someone yesterday telling that, saying that. Wow. And, um, and so I don't know what it is to take a stand in our own different ways in our own different lives, you know, for you and I, it may be, it may well, be. I think there is a stand we're already taking around not traveling as much as we did, mm -hmm. not just because we don't, as an organization want to contribute to a global climate crisis. That's true because <laughs> we're happier yeah, for it. That's right. That's more right. content for it, more connected to our people, our family for it, you know, and all that's good. So, uh, 
Yeah, I think we are. We are we are beginning to turn out. And I think we as we turn out, we have to turn to each other. That's kind of what you were reminding me to say, because this system, this dominant way of doing things is is built for self-preservation. And let's not pretend anything else in the face of trying to rewrite just a little bit of our our history. Well, and this really aligns with what we've been talking about this season too, right? Around the mm. journey to the mm. underworld and like, what do you mm. need to come out? And and mm. I just was thinking mm. about, I wanted to ask mm. you like, oh, what have you learned in your reading about like from Martin Shaw or the other reading you've been doing about coming mm. out back into the light? Because that is definitely in some ways the movement that we're in. Like, how do you take those lessons that you learned with you? How do you not cast off those tools that you got, but actually carry them with you into the light? Because that feels like we've been talking a lot about this mythic journey and the underworld this season. And like, here we are in some ways ready to come back out. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I hesitate to answer because I feel like that's the question. Mm. Ah, yeah. Great. Perfect. Right. I mean, and, and for me, but for all of us right yeah, now. That's great. It's like, you know, what does it take to get through the eye of the needle? Mm-hmm. You know, what does it take to, you know, I mean, I've had, I, I've had, I don't know what it's like for everybody, but there's various voices in my head. Uh, Augusto Bowell used to talk about the cop in the head, you know, the, the judgmental mm-hmm. voices or the itty bitty shitty committee. I think power <laughs> called it that or, uh-huh. uh, you know, but I've definitely, you know, had in my head, you know, this, this kernel, you know, I can, I can look at the pictures of my ancestors and have them in full uniform with a baton tucked under their arm, you know, and a tight mustache that is just the, just fucking get on with it, boy. Mm-hmm. No weakness mm-hmm. will be tolerated here in the midst of this mm-hmm. move, you know? And, uh, and of course that was very helpful for me during my childhood to have that voice. Cause it got me through a lot, mm-hmm. you know, the ability just to like lock everything down and, persevere but it doesn't actually serve me at an adult and 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 so there's a point at which like you're like yeah thank you for the good service and you're dismissed yeah yeah Yeah. you're dismissed now you know salute and if i ever need you again which maybe i will you know like Mm -hmm. i'll be sure to ask for help but until then thanks (laughs) you know and so so what are the parts of us or what are the parts of our organizations what are the policies we have or the procedures we have in place or the projects that we've committed to or the behaviors we have among our families or our teams? Like maybe this is a good moment to say, well, what needs to be dismissed? What would, what can, what can we let go of to get through the eye of the needle? Because we can't pull it all through with us. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So is that the question we're leaving people with? I think so. I think that's great. I love it. Yeah. How would you phrase that question? Because I just talked to it. If you were to give it Mm. up, give it words, how would you, how would you say it? Mm. That's good. Yeah. I mean, I think that the, the question kind of for the summer is like, um, yeah, it's almost like what what do you want to take with you from this learning over the last year and what are you what is it time to let go of? 
Mm. Truly, this has been a year of transformation for everyone, no matter what, pushed, forced. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. So mm. what is it that you've learned that you want to take with you? You know, those mythic weapons, right? <laughs> yes. And then what is it that is ready that, that you can see no longer serves? Mm. Right? I think yeah. that's how I might yeah. say it. I love that. And I think that mirrors just not that, li that little story I told personally, but that really mirrors where we're at in the outside too. Even as a startup, three years in, we've built some traditions and procedures and practices mm -hmm. and ways of doing things that we need to let go and others we need to amplify and some still that we need to discover. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, are we in the music and poetry piece I of our season three finale? <laughs> That's right. That's right. You better be a good one. What's your song? Oh, mate. This is one of my favorite songs ever written. Aww. And uh, you know how songs come back to you. There's been, there's been this in just absolutely monumentally brilliant set of five films uh, that the BBC released uh, called okay. Small Axe. Okay. And it's a set of five films and it's telling the stories of, um, from various different perspectives, um, uh, West Indian families and communities coming mm. in to the UK in the kind of 60s and 70s. Mm -hmm. And they're just beautifully, that the filming is amazing, the acting is amazing, the characters are incredible, the narratives they tell are incredible. Um, and of course they're political, but you, I never once felt like it was politicized. I was just, uh. I just felt it. Mm -hmm. Like it was just incredible uh filmmaking i felt i just uh, you know and eye-opening and touching and and uh, so they're called small acts and uh, and throughout these movies is all kind of incredible music from that period mm. but also from it, uh, in, enormously brilliant reggae music and stuff as well of course and so the song small acts by the whalers and bob marley uh i think is the song i would like to leave us off with over the summer so if you want the big tree I just love it. I just, you know, he took these beautiful traditional sayings mm. and gave them global political meaning, mm. you know, and uh, through his music. And I just think what a, what a remarkable gift to, to speak through image, but mm -hmm. say so much about our worlds and to speak through saying and tradition, but say so much about modernity. I just think that is really the mark of an incredible songwriter and uh, prophet. Nice. Mm. Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Well, the poem I have today uh, was uh, given to me by Christina Torres, who's on our team. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I just, I, she sent it to me and I was like, oh, yep, here we go. Uh, and it's called When Giving is All We Have. And it's by Ab Alberto Rios, right? So When Giving mm -hmm. is All We Have. So When Giving is All We Have by Alberto Rios. One river gives its journey to the next. We give because someone gave to us. We give because nobody gave to us. We give because giving has changed us. We give because giving could have changed us. We have been better for it. We have been wounded by it. Giving has many faces. It is loud and quiet, big though small, diamond in wood nails. Its story is old, 
the plot worn and the pages too. But we read this book anyway, over and again. Giving is first and every time hand to hand, mine to yours, yours to mine. You gave me blue and I gave you yellow. Together we are simple green. You gave me what you did not have and I gave you what I had to give. Together we made something greater from the difference. There we go. Nice, huh?